0: We were recently bought by the Bic company, you know, the company that makes, um, you know, the biggest supplier of of pens and lighters and and, and razors in the world. Uh, And they they purchased us for, for over $40 million.
1: My name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn what contributed to this entrepreneur's early success of their crowdfunding campaign, the manufacturing challenges when they had over 30,000 crowdfunding pre-sales, and how they collected over 3 million email addresses by building an app. Before we get into our show, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Shopify App Store. Shopify apps help you easily customize and add features to your store to make it your own. The App Store hosts over 4,000 apps built specifically for Shopify businesses. Shopify developers all over the world built these apps to help you save time and unlock a range of new features, from showing your Instagram feed on your store to offering loyalty rewards and more. Check out shopify.com slash store. For the latest Shopify apps, today I'm joined by Joe Lemay, the co-founder and CEO of RocketBook. RocketBook sells notebooks that can be saved forever and erased with water or in a microwave. And it was started in 2014 and based out of Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Joe.
0: Hey, thanks for having me, Felix.
1: Yeah. So the idea behind the business came from I heard an embarrassing meeting at work. So tell us more about about where the the kind of genesis of the the problem and the solution came from. Uh,
0: sure. So I was in technology and, uh, you know, an engineer for a while. And then on the sales and business development side, I was working for a, a company called Salesforce.com in Boston, the Boston area was one of their first people selling commercial uh, software licenses to local businesses. So I'd be going in meetings in, in boardrooms in conference rooms meeting with you know, people like CIOs and CEOs who are buying software from Salesforce, and of course, you know, in those meetings, I'd be really well prepared, and you know, have have ideas I'd be talking about, taking notes. You know, we'd be even using the whiteboard and taking notes in notebooks. I remember one meeting I went to. I was in a. It was a really important meeting, and um, I went and I had prepared a lot. I went to grab my notebook out of my bag put it on the table. I had all these ideas to talk through in a structured way through the meeting. And of course I had the wrong notebook with me. And I was just, I, I, the meeting just totally was, became totally disarray. And, and, um, and it was, it was a setback for me. And and that really, that moment really stuck with me. And I had, I realized that I'd been struggling with the reality that I like to take notes with just a pen, right? Nothing electronic, like that's how I get ideas out of my head or in front of a whiteboard, right? With just a marker, nothing, no batteries, nothing to boot up. Um, that was important to me, but I started to look at everything that I could find. Um, you know, digital pens I tried, but they they had all of these issues where it just didn't seem natural. Um, or even just a scanning app to scan in my, my notebook pages And that almost did the trick, but then I'd have to play the share button shuffle and keep it organized, and that didn't really work for me. Um, And then I I just kind of got fed up with it and decided, you know, I think I could build something, you know, at least a a proof of concept or something myself. And the idea was to use just a regular notebook, but the notebook would have these markings on it. So as I take notes, I just sort of mark things on it. And then when I would use the scanner app, it would be... proprietary scanning app, and it would see those markings on the page and instantly organize it for me in one of a few go-to spots. Um, That was the genesis of the first idea of Rocketbook. And I just started to think, like, how could it be cooler? How could it be cooler? And I was like, well, now that I'm scanning in my notes, like, I really don't need this hard copy anymore. So what if we could make a reusable book that then works with an app that Makes it easier to scan and organize your notes and keep them tidy on your device and syncs up with all of the cloud services that you already use. Um, and that was that was the real genesis of RocketBook. And I, I found these these pens that Pilot made where they, they erase really well because the eraser creates a little heat and the ink turns clear instead of just mushing around. So the, it's a it's a pen that really erases well. Um, and, uh, and, it, and it turns clear at a certain temperature. I got it in my head, like, could I make a, a book that we could heat up? And when it heats up, it would all erase, like put it in the microwave. And that was the Rocket Book Wave. We just, we, um, I, I recruited my, my good old buddy, Jake, to become my co-founder. We thought it was kind of a crazy idea, who would ever, think, who would ever use a book you'd put in the microwave to erase, um, but it also had this great usefulness to it with the app. Uh, we put it up on Indiegogo and uh, the rest is history. We really just started with, with a video and an idea and the idea that we, we thought we could build a product. It became a lot harder. The more success we had, the more challenges we ran into.
1: Yeah, definitely will dive into that as we get into this episode. So this this timeline that you're talking about, how long was it? Because let's say that you know you decided, okay, this wasn't working with the way that you were using notebooks in the past. You wanted to create something better. You mentioned a proof of concept. At what point did it become kind of a more of a reality where you're thinking, wait, maybe I have a product that is that other people might want to buy. Like, How long did that take to get to?
0: Mm. Well, it was really it was really very fast. I mean, I had been mulling over the idea and another whiteboard related idea for, um, you know, just as a side project and building a little bit of proof of concept software and things like that. Um, but it really went very fast. As soon as I had the idea for this, this notebook, um, and an app that would build that we could build with it. Um, and really had the idea it took me a while to stumble around to, to come up with the idea. But once I had the idea and, um, Recruited Jake to be my co-founder. Um, it was fast. I mean, we we went out and had beers at the Sligo Pub, which is this dive beer, dive bar in in Somerville, Mass, and uh, and he jumped on the idea. And the next day we got to work, sort of building stuff, sort of testing things out. But really, what we needed to get started was a great, compelling video. Uh, and we went from. It was probably December of 2014 to March of 2015. So three or four months from concept to really having a six figure business. Um, that we didn't have a product, but that's the magic of crowdfunding.
1: Yeah, definitely want to get into your amazing success on the crowdfunding platforms in a bit. Prior to that, did you, did you, did you were you able to do any kind of market or testing to testing the market to see if there's demand for the product or was it all on crowdfunding?
0: That essentially was our, our test. You know, I threw some landing pages up and threw some traffic at it and things like that and got a, you know, a reasonable response to it. I forget, maybe, maybe like a 15% type of like conversion rate on email addresses on a really like lousy video that i did and that was good it was validating but it wasn't like a a, an obvious yes or an obvious no um i talked to even some investors who like were a very fast pass right so I, i realized that this was just a crazy idea um and that i'd have to go to crowdfunding but really we that was our test we we created a concept video and put it up on crowdfunding and uh you know, luckily, I had a few email addresses, but really what happened is it, it really just kind of took off virally the idea of, of a paper notebook that you could write in. And then after you save your notes, you just put it in the microwave to erase it all. It was just such a powerful gimmick, uh, if you will, for uh, for people to write about, for people to get excited about. Um, and then turning that gimmick of a product into something actually useful was the big challenge that we had at first you know we had a an app that wasn't really rated well in the in the app store a product that you know worked some of the time or maybe sometimes you would burn in your microwave but we we kept grinding and now today we've got uh one of the highest rated products in terms of like the notebook category on uh on amazon and um and our our apps in the app store are like, you know, well into the deep 4.5 stars or so. And, uh, and, you know, it's, it's a high quality product and we have true fans around the product.
1: Got it. Yeah. So you mentioned that the, 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 key to kicking all this off was to, to go on crowdfunding, but you said that you needed a video first. So tell us about that. Like what was important to include in this video that you feel contributed to the, the, the very early success with, with crowdfunding?
0: Yeah, you can see it. If you Google Rocketbook Wave Indiegogo, you can probably find our original Indiegogo campaign. And um, it was really it was really just me, uh, Jake. We had rented an Airbnb that was pretty nice so that we had a good backdrop. Um, and it was just us and a nice SLR camera that I probably spent like 500 bucks on. And I found this guy, Kyler, to, uh, to do a little bit of the editing for, for me on it and do the voiceover stuff but we just wrote a compelling script, had some good grabbers in it, you know, just started it off with a, what if you could write in your notebook and make sure that all of your notes are saved, you know, securely in the cloud. And what if when you're done, you're using your paper notebook, you could erase it all with the push of a button. And well, you can, that's the Rocketbook wave. And then it shows it like going in the microwave. So it kind of pulls you in with this grabber, but it was, it was really just me, a tripod, Jake, and another person helping us with the video super low budget. We did not spend, I mean, if you look at the, the, the video graphic quality, it is not a high video graphic quality at all, but the, the script was really good. It worked. It showed what it was going to do. It got the concept across, it pulled you in with, with grabbers and what if questions and little zingers and things like that. And, um, And the the product itself was just made for crowdfunding, just getting an individual excited about a new product or was kind of a gadget or something that anyone could use and maybe does use a notebook, but like bringing it to the next level. And I'll tell you, we, we were renting this Airbnb out in, um, in San Francisco. Uh, we were preparing for something called the launch festival. So we could launch in, in this on stage in front of a few hundred people. Um, and, we got, we got, when we're on stage, we, we, I raised my hand. And I said, who here wants a rocket book after giving a demo? And, you know, people kind of raised their hand. I said, well, that's great. You can back us now on Indiegogo. And so people could go back us. And, you know, we got a few hundred backers, people pre-ordering the book. Um, and, uh, in a promise that we'll deliver it later. And the next day we made like $5,000. And the next day, like, um, like $10,000, which was cool but then we woke up, we were still renting out that Airbnb. We're going to leave the next day. Uh, but we woke up on Saturday and, you know, Indiegogo gives you a little notification when you get a new backer, you get a little ding on your phone. It's pretty cool. Um, but then we woke up that, that Saturday morning and it was like, ding, 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 ding. It was like popcorn. It was popping or our iPhones were broken or something like that. It was crazy. Um, and, uh, and what had happened was Indiegogo had put the project in their newsletter, and we made over ninety-nine thousand dollars in one day in pre-sales, which was so cool. And, and we just looked at each other and we were like, "I guess we have to really make this product work and work well." And then we were on another year-long saga of um, making the product, you know, work well and getting it out to backers. We we thought we had given ourselves plenty of time to deliver. We had projected um, a November. 2015 uh, uh, delivery date to everyone who backed, we said, we, we think we'll get it out to you in November. It really wasn't until the next year, um, like deep into February that we got everything out to people. So it was it was some of the, the hardest um, months of my career, just hearing from backers, wondering where the product is, mm-hmm. if I was serious or was I scamming them and I took their money. Um, sometimes death threats, right? Uh, but we finally got a, a decent product. It wasn't perfect, but we got it out to people. They enjoyed it. Um, and it was really the, the next product that we launched the next year um, that is now called the Rocketbook Core. And is, and is all of our, really all of our sales today, it doesn't go in the microwave, um, but it is you know, an extremely popular product on Amazon, um, roughly in December, I got some metrics, roughly um, 18% of all paper notebook sales on Amazon were rocket books. If you can imagine that, like we are owning and dominating the paper notebook category um, in a really important channel it's Amazon. Now we're getting it out to other channels like the the Walmarts and the Targets and, and, and you know, and more and more. Um, more and more strength in those, those channels.
1: Yeah. one thing I mentioned to, to me before the interview was that lots of your success came even before you had your own website and all through, through crowdfunding. So at the point that you were, you were putting out these, these crowdfunding campaigns, I think, so you, you have the, the Indiegogo campaign, you have Kickstarter as well. How do you determine, you know, which platform to go on or is it a combination of both? And what is the strategy there? Oh, good question. Well,
0: you know, we, we deliberated between when, when doing a crowdfunding campaign, we deliberated between Kickstarter and Indiegogo cause those were the two popular choices. Kickstarter is kind of like the Coca-Cola Indiegogo being the, the Pepsi, you know, uh, in terms of size and, and things like that and, and brand recognition, we decided to go with Indiegogo. Um, they paid some more attention to us, uh, and they had some tools, such as referral programs with links you could track to give people incentive to track and things like that, which I thought were interesting. Uh, they were more um, creator friendly and helping you market your stuff with tools, with help and 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 guarantees that maybe they put you in their newsletter to promote it. Kickstarter, from my experience, is pretty hands off. They um, they don't really do much to to help. Um, you market or anything like that. You're just on the platform and you either do well or you don't. Um, and the people there engage a little bit with you, but nothing like with Indiegogo. But, you know, and now that I've done both platforms, just Kickstarter is so much bigger. And so, um, you know, we do start today most of our um, most of our crowdfunding campaigns. We still do crowdfunding. Um, we're, we're working on a new crowdfunding campaign as we as we as we speak. And we'll probably launch that on Kickstarter just because it's larger. Um, but I don't, I don't at all regret starting on Indiegogo. Uh, they were amazing to us. I don't know if we would have had the same success. Uh, we were kind of like, um, they just treated us well and helped us a lot uh, when we were, you know, just a small startup, and uh, and it worked out really well. Yeah.
1: And do you find that you you kind of alluded to this earlier on when you're talking about your success on Kickstarter or on, on crowdfunding on Indiegogo was that it was due to almost the gimmicky nature of the product itself. Were there other things that you feel like you've done or maybe the lessons you learned along the way with each new campaign that you have found that, hey, these are kind of things that you need to have or that you should have to increase the chances of success on on the campaign, you know, regardless of the, the kind of, I uh, guess, virality of the product itself? Yeah, and no, I'd say
0: that this might apply to, to even just building a brand from scratch in general. Um, look at like what, uh, it, like we were playing in the notebook, like the paper notebook space, right? And there were companies mm-hmm. like, let's say, Moleskin, who, you know, they kind of had this, this European high design sort of brand attitude, took themselves quite seriously. It was like the type of notebook that Hemingway wrote in, right, um, was sort of their, their pitch. Um, and it harkened to the past. And so we looking at that. We're like, all right, let's be the opposite of what's out in the market, right? Like they're not innovative, they're like, Hemingway, what, what does Elon Musk wanna write in, right? Like And, uh, and so we we're also not precious about our brand. So a little bit out of necessity, but also because it worked, like we put on like orange space suits, we cracked jokes, we were irreverent, you know we just like kind of and we rubbed in the like at one point we had a video where we went down the aisle of staples and threw notebooks around and made fun of them and and said what's this the notebook that Hemingway wrote in that's cool i guess right and we got kicked out of staples we were able to get a bunch of shots in, like 12 shots before the manager kicked us out and and today you know the the staples corporate people told us to take it down because they're a major customer of ours right so but we got a lot of mileage out of that like two guys in astronaut outfits walking down the aisles of staples and throwing the notebooks around right um but like we came at it with an irreverent in your face not taking ourselves seriously brand and we still stick with that even though we have more resources today like We do things on a low budget way. Um, We still wear the same astronaut outfits. We've got the same sense of humor and we've got fans and we could do like a high production thing, but we focus on having a great script and a great message and having energy and making a great product. And our fans love us for like the authenticity of it all, right? And the excitement we bring to the whole category Um, in addition to having a, a pretty good product that people love using as well.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I think there's something you said about how important it is to be to be different, right? That you just don't always want to be better than what's already the message out there. You want to be different. I think that 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 really helps you stand out in the, out in the crowd. In, in in a typically, you know, kind of a you know boring, you consider boring category, right? Notebooks. How do you make it exciting? I think there's something to be said about how you can stand out by adding some energy and excitement into into the products that you put out there. Hey. Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. So you had mentioned that once the, the campaign ended, there was a long kind of challenging period in your career and your journey so far around how do you actually deliver on this. So tell us about that. What was the manufacturing process like after that the initial the, the crowdfunding campaign that, that went viral and had a lot of success?
0: Sure. I'll I'll talk about some of the challenges there. So we had sold like over 30,000 units of these pre-sold them. People took out their credit card, paid us on Indiegogo with the understanding that we hadn't made the product yet and that there would be some risk. And we estimated that we would get it to them on a certain date. And they paid like $27 a piece for it and it mounted to over a million dollars of of pre-sales. So the pressure was on for us to, to build it. Now we had done some testing uh, before we launched the campaign, and we we thought we had tested some things enough, we got a notebook to do pretty well in one mi- microwave, and we we tested it. Turns out people have different microwaves, and every microwave is different. And if you put mm. a, a a paper notebook in one microwave for a minute, um, the ink might not get warm enough to erase. But put the same notebook in another one for a minute. Not only will it get hot enough to erase, it'll burst into flames. Right. So we realized that we had a lot of work to do, and we, with some of those funds, we spent on like product development firms to help us try different concepts to make it safe and consistent and all that. Um, They tried really hard, and they just weren't able to really be helpful. They came up with a lot of concepts. Some were way too expensive, uh, so we couldn't. We would have to go bankrupt before delivering it. Um, It was really. It was like many, many thousands of of hours, like in in the garage with a bunch of microwaves trying to figure out different systems we ultimately came up with a design that worked and the way it worked was there's a little logo on the front of the book and you have to look through the microwave and when it turns from blue to clear then you turn you know it's gotten warm enough and you turn the microwave off and you take it out so that was one so that that might, that might take 30 seconds in one microwave or three minutes in another, but that was like a universal thing there. The other thing that we had to do was um, in some microwaves, they have hot spots. So one part of the book won't will, will like get really hot and burn while the other part of the book still isn't hot. So we had to figure out a way to like equalize the microwaves in the microwave. And we figured it out. You just take a mug of water, fill it up somewhat, put it in there, And it starts to absorb a lot of the microwaves and disperse it in a sort of chaotic way so that the book gets pretty consistently warm or consistently enough warm. Uh, And with those two little things that we figured out, we had unlocked the universal way to safely um, uh, erase your notebook in the microwave with with um, with heat.
1: How long did that takes? So I feel like if you, if a lot of people run into these kind of issues, the, the, the immediate reaction is like, okay, this whole thing's not going to work. Let me go, let me do something else. But how long did you persist at trying to figure out this problem?
0: Oh, a good, a good six months of R&D work and trying to, we tried all of these different synthetic papers. We tried different types of covers. We also had to test everything to make sure that if it did get warm or catch on fire in your microwave, that it didn't release anything that you wouldn't want, like your children eating, right? Because they're putting their 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 mac and cheese in there. So we hired a firm to make sure everything, every coating we used, everything we used was like when it hit, no matter what what temperature, it was like safe. And a lot of things they they release. You know noxious fumes they've got you know um, synthetic things organic things they're they're not good so it took us a while to figure out that safety component and uh just there were there were a lot of dark days where i thought that we weren't going to be that we had a million dollars of pre-sales and we were going to run out of money and not be able to deliver to people and we'd be like one of those other you know um crowdfunding campaigns of which there are many who raised millions of dollars and didn't deliver like the coolest cooler. Um, or some of those legendary ones. And and I thought, you know, I I was, I was as stressed as a person as I have ever been in my life. Um, But once we, once we got that to work, that was a tremendous breakthrough, but now we had to find someone to help us manufacture it. And we, you know, work with printers and binders to do that. Um, And, uh, and we did kind of run out of money. We, we had, if we were to get it all done and ship it out to people, we would have been over $300,000 in the hole. Um, and so we were, we were on paper. We were bankrupt to the tune of more than $300,000. A couple of things came together. One is that, um, one of our printers after we had shipped a lot of books to people, our printer had made a big mistake. We realized, and there was a problem with the logo on the book. Um, so we, We were able to negotiate some of the payments down because of the quality problem with them and another thing that we figured out that we that you're not supposed to do is we took the same product and we put it up on kickstarter um, with a few more promises that we'd build some more software integrations with slack for example um and we raised another another well, well over half a million dollars that got us out of the hole now you're not supposed to do that kickstarter hates that they almost took our project down and they told us you know we almost took your project down but since we had a few more promises for the project like those software integrations we got around it but then we were in the doghouse with kickstarter for many years after that as we had um additional campaigns they 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 wouldn't make us projects that we love they wouldn't uh, do anything to promote us they would ignore us um and we're kind of in the doghouse with them until until recently uh five years later so um but that got us out of a bankruptcy situation uh just a little bit of creativity and and luck and things like that
1: yeah I love that I love that there's there's a success like yours is not just like a rosy kind of smooth path. It's a lot of problem solving and, and getting creative like you had mentioned. Uh, and now, nowadays, or e- maybe even um, after the success of some of these campaigns, what what's the, what happens during this, this period after your campaigns? Are there other kind of marketing channels that you focus on at that point? Or is it just kind of like waiting for the next campaign?
0: Yeah, great question. Um, we, uh, we got our product... Onto the Amazon Launchpad, and I think that that was the next really important thing for us. So having some exposure. So the Amazon Launchpad, um, I think it still exists today. Uh, what they were doing was basically creating a, a space for people um, who are just coming up off of crowdfunding to come and put their products on Amazon and promote them a little bit to Amazon users, and that helped us a lot. Um, we also immediately got up on Shopify. And one of the cool things about RocketBook is whether you buy a rocket book from, from Amazon, from target, you know, from a shelf on target or from our website. um, If you, so long as you opt in, of course, we, if you use our app, you know, we have your email address, you use our app. So um, you you have some brand connection there. So when we launch a new product, we have uh, a really good and, and big audience. We have, you know, almost three million email addresses now that we can email when we have product launches. Um, so, you know, for example, uh, last year or, um, yeah, last in 2020, we came up with a, um, with a planner, right? A reusable planner. And, um, you know, this is built on our, our new technology that doesn't go in the microwave, You just use a little water to erase it. And, uh, it all erases perfectly, but we, we hadn't had a planner before. And when we launched a planner, and this is in the middle of a pandemic, right, Uh, we launched a new product in a new category and then quickly shot up to be one of the top three products um, on Amazon in the planner category. And we were able to do that because we had a great fan base. We'd been building a relationship with them, continuously showing new products, each with its own funny, humorous, and entertaining launch and video. And then when we launched the planner product in the middle of a pandemic, boom, we were able to dominate the planner category, like really, really quickly. So you can imagine how impossible that would be if you didn't have that direct-to-consumer communication channel and relationship, if you wanted to just launch a new a new planner through through retail um or any new consumer product like a pen it would take years to really get and dominate the category but we're able to do it in months thank you know thankfully to the the investments we've made in email marketing um e-commerce on shopify right and having that today about 10 percent of our sales are done uh, on e-commerce and shopify but they're extremely strategic Right, um, And they, they're a way that even if people buy off of Amazon, they're often coming to our site and looking at our site for more information as well. Um, and then those 10% who do shop on Shopify, we definitely have most of their email addresses and build a relationship with them as well. But we can leverage those relationships to, to help promote other channels, make sure we're dominating them too.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point about how you mentioned you have a, an email database of three million customers, and it's because of the app, right? Because otherwise, if you are selling any kind of uh, any other kind of product through a, a platform like Amazon or in retail, you're not going to have access as easily to those email addresses. So, I think that's um, a, a great. Revelation, I think, for a lot of people, like, oh, maybe there is a component that that makes sense for people to connect with me outside of the product. Now, let's talk about the app a bit. So, you mentioned that when you first started this thing, it was kind of had a little rough patches with the app, but nowadays you got eighteen thousand almost perfect reviews on the Apple App Store, nine thousand reviews in Google Play Store. So, tell us about the process of creating the app from the beginning and the kind of refinement that has gone through over the over the years. Totally. So it's
0: an app where it uses the camera to look at the at the notebook um, and then it scans it in as you as you might imagine, like a sort of like a cam scanner or, or scannable or genius scan. Um, but it does a little bit more. It's all built. It's really built for handwritten notes. So. Um, as you pointed at, at the page, it, it auto-props and color pops and makes that image really vibrant before it stores it um, you know, in, on your device or syncs it with the cloud services you already use like Google, Google Drive and Dropbox. Um, it also does uh, really decent handwriting recognition. So with handwritten um, text, it'll, it'll transcribe it for you. Um, if you type in the top like hashtag, hashtag, um, You know, meeting with Joe. It'll turn the document into meetingwithjoe.pdf for you and create smart lists as you do little check boxes and you you write your little to do lists. Um, All of these things we're enriching with smart things to help you with your handwritten notes. And it's really from that handwriting intelligence uh, layer that, and really amazing scan quality that we've built over the years why it went from a, you know, a three star product on the app store to what it is today, which is a 4.8 star product um, on, the, um, on the, uh, the iOS app store, for example. Um, and so that's, that's great because the more people use the app, the more likely they are to be interested in the next product that could work with that app as well and build out, you know, people have you know, various sizes of notebooks, um, we have a whiteboard product as well. So anyone using a whiteboard um, can throw beacons on their whiteboard to turn it into um, one that works with our app so you can um, scan and store and organize it digitally, even stream it in real time if you want to share what you're doing on the whiteboard with someone live through our, uh, our Snapcast technology. And, uh, and then we also use we use Clavio as a tool to manage all of our email marketing. So, all of that onboarding, you know, you sign up for the app. We, um, we want to give you information of how to utilize it, know about all of the features. That's super important. Um, you also, after your first scan, the first time you really use it, you get a survey from us, uh, a type form survey. And we ask you a, a net promoter score, you know, would you recommend this to a friend one to 10? And then we get some, some feedback and we get tens of thousands of survey results every year. And in real time, nearly our customer service team now goes through all of them and applies tags and then gives a report to our product team. So we can see the big and the small things that people are complaining about that might be preventing them from being promoters of the product. And every, you know, every month we look at that and we figure out what are we going to work on next based on this feedback to make the product a little bit better, right? Um, And that's. You know, we, we were able to do that and, and turn products from, you know, 3.9 star products into 4.3 product star star products on Amazon, for example, over the course of, you know, hard work and time and just imp- listening to our customers and improve it. Um, and uh, it's just been a super powerful way for us to use a feedback loop in our product development cycle as well.
1: Mm. Now, when you are building out these new, new product lines, the product lines, you mentioned how important all this works together. And it, it sounds like a lot of it kind of leads up to this, the, the email campaigns and the crowdfunding at the very end of it. But what happens before that? How do you prepare to roll out a, a new product that you're about to launch?
0: Oh, yeah, great question. Well, you know, we're about to launch our next product, which is going to be our most ambitious product ever. It, um, similar to other, to our more recent Rocketbook Core products, it has synthetic paper. It comes with ballpoint pens that you can uh, buy pilot that you can get replacements for like a buck or two anywhere. So it's just a regular paper and pen, but it's synthetic paper and you can erase it with a little bit of water. um, And it's just like endlessly reusable. Um, So that's not new. But what is new is that it it comes with a beautiful folio. So it looks, more high design and well-designed than any journal you've seen out there and more futuristic as well. But also the way, the way it works is it's modular. So you can buy different page packs and it has this little, instead of a regular um, binding, it has these three little rings, these three little metal rings that bind a page pack together. And you can have one page pack that's, Uh, aligned another one that's graphed paper another one that is a a planner with some combination and you can pop your page pack in and out of the folio in and out of your notebook and change up what what page pack you're going to use for the day let's say when you go to classroom and meetings and it all comes together with the most powerful force in the universe magnetism Uh, so they click in and out in these page packs come in and out of this beautiful folio in a in just this magical way that feels like high design. So we've been working on this concept uh, for well over a year now. A ton of industrial design has gone into it. Uh, But really, before you launch a crowdfunding campaign, what the bare minimum of what you need is you need a product that looks like a product that you would deliver. It doesn't need to look like the end product that you deliver the the products, for example, in our early campaigns that we had in our video. They didn't look anything like the products that we actually delivered. So it doesn't need. it just needs to look representative of the product that you deliver. Now. Now these days we're more mature company. What we deliver will actually look very much like what's in the video. Um, But. The other thing you really need to know is that you can build the product. So you have to have all of the vendors, the manufacturers, and the fulfillment. That's that's hard too. So find someone who really does fulfillment, meaning pick and pack, and shipping and tracking numbers and all of that type of stuff. If you're going to be shipping, you know, tens of thousands of units, um, and so you need your vendors lined up. You need to really have confidence that you know your bomb costs. You need to know that your product costs. If this product costs, you know, ten bucks. Am I pricing it right? It's got to be about four to one minimum, um, for you to make money and and potential retail partners down the line to make money. And can you price it? Can you make it for 10 bucks and and sell it for 40 bucks or some multiple like that? Um, if so, you might have, have a sustainable business on your hand. Um, and, uh, in delivery timeframe, you really need to know, Hey, um, I'm going to tell everybody that I'm going to deliver this in October. Do I have confidence that I have a plan? Everyone's ready. Uh, all, the, all the manufacturers are, are all lined up and you can actually do that according to plan. Um, we hit that pretty well. But even still these days, our last crowdfunding campaign was a few months late. Um, and then, you know, partly because we were in a pandemic and we had a few, hit, a few road bumps there. Um, but things just come up that you wouldn't expect when you're making a product, uh, a physical product from scratch things come up that you can never predict. So there's always a risk. You can never, never take all the risk out there in the first build. Um, so that's really it. You, you really need to be able to make a great video, have a product that looks good so you can make that video some good, good marketing copy. Um, you know, make sure, you know, your bomb costs, make sure you've, you've got all your vendors lined up and make sure you can deliver reasonably on time. And then you might have, if you've got the unit economics right, you might have a good crowdfunding campaign and a good business on your hands.
1: Awesome. So now what do you spend your time on these days and with the growth of the company and being retail and all of these online and, and brick-and-mortar retail spots? What, what do you sp- folks your attention on these days?
0: Well, um, we were recently bought by the BIC company, You know, the company that makes um, you know the biggest supplier of, of pens and lighters and, and, and razors in the world. Uh, and they, they purchased us for for over $40 million, um, which has been a, a great milestone for, for us, but I'm still, you know, heavily engaged in, in running the company. My title is still CEO and, um, and we're, I'm spending a lot of my time on uh, making sure that we have the right initiatives in place to drive growth, making sure that our teammates, we have the right teammates in the right spots and, and we have the, we're building the right culture uh, to continue to grow at an, at an amazing clip and build this into what we think could be a billion-dollar brand someday.
1: Awesome. So the website is getrocketbook.com. And I'll leave this last question. What do you think has been the biggest lesson that you've learned from the past year that you want to apply moving forward? Oh, I think
0: the the biggest lesson that I've learned over the last year is just now that that our company is becoming a a somewhat, you know, I don't know, mature or 50 person company, like how important culture is, because I I used to be the the leader who who did a lot of stuff, at least, you know, a lot of the stuff going on in the company. Um, Today, I don't I I can't possibly even be aware of all the stuff going on. uh, But but making sure that we have the right processes in terms of just cultural dynamics going on, making sure we're we're giving feedback to each other so we can make each other better and better. Making sure we have A players in every spot so that the A players that we do have are excited to to perform at their best because they know when they hand the ball over to someone else, they're handing it over to an A player as well. And having a, a workplace and a culture that is high performance, And then working toward a vision that everyone believes in and is motivated by uh, and helps us really seize the opportunity that we have and uh, and build an amazing company.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience, Joe. All right.
0: Hey, thanks so much and uh, really appreciate the opportunity.
1: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.